If you would turn with us to scripture we've been looking at all the week so far. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. And John, Gospel of John, 13. 1 John 4 and verse 7. He said, Beloved, who's he talking to? Are you the beloved? Yeah. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And he that loves not knows not God. For God is love. Let's say that out loud again at least a couple of times. God is love. Once again, God is love. We had suggested earlier in the week that in your studies, in your talking, for the next few weeks or months, anytime you see or hear the word God, substitute the word love. And it will open up a whole realm of things to you. Practice that. Try try to remind yourself and, and do that for a while and you'll see what I'm talking about. Because unless you're seeing through the eyes of love, you're not seeing it like God sees it. Unless you're approaching it from the perspective of love, you're not approaching it in the way of God. God is love. If you're operating in love, you're operating in God. If you know love, then you know God. Amen. Uh, in fact, just uh, on your way to John, stop by 1 Corinthians. It's on the way. 1 Corinthians and the 8th chapter. Now he said, if you don't know love, if you don't operate in love, you don't know God. How many believe that? And as we've already said and are about to look at again, this is the distinguishing mark of the true Christian. The love. By this, he said, will all men know that you're my disciples. By this love. Didn't say by your speaking in tongues. He didn't say by your miracles. He didn't say by your prosperity. What did he say it was by? By this love. This is something that no other religion, no other group has. You, you can only get this in God. Amen. The God kind of love. This kind of love. Real love. True love. Can only be found in Him. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, He says, Now as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Love edifies. Think about that now. You particularly have to watch this, you know. And, and those of us who are word and faith and those of us that emphasize truth and revelation, we want knowledge, don't we? We want revelation knowledge. 
And that is a good thing. It's a good thing to be hungry to your core. To want to see and learn and understand. But just knowledge alone, what happens? The more you get, you get puffed up. What, it, what does that mean? You get to thinking you know something. Yeah? And you get to thinking that you know things that other folk don't know. And that results in you having an air of superiority about you. And a holier than thou attitude. Which is a stench in the nostrils of God, the scripture says. I'm telling you, it's a serious thing. The Lord dealt with me a couple of years ago about this superiority deal. How he despised it is probably the right word. You know, for anything you know, you you could fill the ocean with books about the rest that you don't know. Right? For every scripture you can quote... There's hundreds you can't hardly find. Is that right? I mean, (laughs) for everything you know, oh, how much is there that you don't yet see and know? And maybe we do see some things about certain areas that some other groups don't. But do you understand that it's entirely probable that they see some things in some other areas that we don't see? And if we had enough love and enough mutual respect and value, we could all glean from each other's light. Amen. And enough humility and teachableness. We could all get together and you could learn from this one about holiness and sanctification. They could learn from you about prosperity. You could learn from this one about commitment. You know... I had mentioned this earlier that even from times past, from the beginning of our ministry, the Lord's allowed us to minister in different groups, different camps, people that weren't Pentecostal, people that weren't charismatic. And you know, it's it's been such a refreshing thing because a lot of times you get to thinking that the way things happen in your group is Holy Ghost, front to back. (laughs) And not realize that he's actually just very accommodating. (laughs) <laughs> and if you, go, if you get out some in some other groups especially some people that do know God then you'll see God move in some different ways and you go oh whoa 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 wait now we don't do it like that but if you know God well enough if you just stay quiet and watch you begin to realize this is God but it's so different from us And you come to realize he's accommodating them. He's meeting them where they're at and he's operating as much as he can within their expectations and their ways. Now he can't just bless all your ways, you understand. But as much as he can, he'll accommodate. I know some years ago we were in a smaller church and the Spirit of God was moving in a wonderful way. I mean word of knowledge and healings. Miraculous things were happening. But the people were totally unschooled in these things. And uh, uh, we ministered to one person and the Spirit of God was flowing. And I was new in some of these things too, especially. And, and, and this person jumped up and said, I can hear. I can hear. And just, just shouted me down. I'm prophesying. And, just, and I, was try, I was trying to give out something else that God was giving. And I thought, oh man, the Holy Ghost is going to be grieved. Well, they went on and on and on. Well, they're excited and they, and they should be. But they shouldn't just interrupt to shut down the preacher, you know. 
Well, as soon as they got through, that unction came right back. I thought, whew, glory. So I took off again. And about that time, somebody jumped up and said, my eyes healed. My, and just, <laughs> I, so somebody else set the precedent and here they go again. And that must have happened a dozen times. I'd start to say something. And I'm not, I don't, not just me, the Holy Ghost was moving. And, sp- and they just shut me down. They, they interrupted hymns what they did. And I'd go, oh man, surely he's going to be grieved this time. Fifth time. <laughs> but as soon as they got through blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, well, it came right back. The utterance came right back. And I began to understand. They were ignorant. They didn't understand. And the Holy Ghost is gracious. Now in another group, group like this, that wouldn't work that way. <laughs> you know better. But the Holy Ghost is very accommodating. The scripture said knowledge does what? Puffs up. You know, I found this to be true in, in dealing with people in knowledge intensive occupations. Things like medicine. Things like law. Uh, piloting. Different things where there's a lot of knowledge that you have to have and understand and remember and retain. And man, you'll see such pride. And the problem is that people begin to rely on this information. And they begin to believe that they have the answer to everything. And that is such a lie. I said that is such a lie. Yes, you need to study. Yes, you need to train. Yes, you need to do things in your field, but you do not need to get to thinking that you know enough that you can have all the answers from what you know. You don't. What's going to build up? Does your knowledge build up? Knowledge alone can puff you up. But what will build you up? What will build others up? Remember what he said in Ephesians? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good... To the use of edifying. Amen. That it may minister grace to the hearers. Well what? It's not just going to be just knowledge that's going to build them up. But it'll be knowledge. It'll be the truth. Revelation, truth, and knowledge. How? In and by love. It's the love that builds. Not just the knowledge. Did you get that friend? It's the love that builds up. Knowledge apart from love just puffs up. I know some of the very best advice I've ever gotten in ministry, I got when I first started. I mean, I was just as green as could be, and I was beginning to work with uh, Brother Hagen and different ones in the healing ministry there at Raymond. And uh, one of the per- people that had been there already a while, I was asking them, you know, well, what do I do? I mean, these people came in desperate. They came in, many of them told that they were terminal, that they only had a matter of weeks or months to live. And uh, they sat me down and looked me in there. They said, Keith, the, the most important thing, because I was feeling inadequate, you know, about my knowledge and about my experience. They said, Keith, the most important thing to understand is these people are coming in here, they're coming in here like scared little rabbits, like scared little animals. They're scared they're going to die. They're scared they don't know enough. They're scared. And, and they said the most important thing is for you to love them. You don't have, all, none of us have all the answers. But you can love people. Amen. And here's the wonderful thing. In the flow of love is revelation. 
in the flow of love is healing and power. There's some big things here I hope you're not missing now. Let me give another illustration and I'll come back and explain that. Many years ago I saw a lady ministering in the word of knowledge that really impressed me. She was older and had been in ministry for years. And uh, her and her husband kind of tag team ministered and he'd preach a while and she'd start ministering in the gifts. Very precise. I mean very exact. And you could tell, I mean from the results and response, it was God. And she began to talk at one point about how she got into this and how she began to develop. She said, all I do is I just pray in the Holy Ghost before the service. And she said, when I get up to minister, I just look over the people and the love of God will begin to go out of me towards somebody. They'll just stand out to me in the crowd, the love of God in me. See, this is scriptural. Follow after love. Did you hear that? Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, the scripture said. She said, the love of God will just come up in me and just go out toward an individual or individuals in the crowd. And when I see them, I reach out my heart towards them. And I may not know anything at all, but I just know the Lord, His love is going out toward them. He wants to help them some way. He wants to minister to them. So I follow that love. Did you hear that? She said, I'll go to them and I check my heart to see if I've got anything. And I may not, but I'll just follow it by faith. Did you hear that? She said, I'll call to them and say, could I minister to you? She said, I may not have a thing in my mind. But I know God wants to minister to them some way. And she said, a lot of times by the time I walk over to them, or by the time they get up to the front, or by the time I lay hands on them, there's revelation. Or there's an anointing to minister. But if you never followed the love, and if you never acted in faith, you wouldn't see the result. Everybody say, follow love. Follow Follow after love. And desire desire. the manifestation of the Spirit. Spirit. Do you understand that it's not just for ministers to be used in the gifts of the Spirit? You understand that it's for all of us? God wants to use you in the post office. God wants to use you in the grocery store. He wants to use you on the job. He wants to give you a word of knowledge. But do you understand that you're going to be blocked if all you do is think about yourself all day. If all you do is think about your problems and what you need and what you don't have, you're not following after love. What is following after love? God is love. What does that mean? You're following out the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God, is the Spirit of love. Following after this love is following the Holy Ghost, is following God Himself. But when this love is strong in you, and you follow it, you see what's going to be in the flow of that is the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Word of knowledge. Gifts of healing. Special faith. And you, a lot of times you won't even know that that's what's happening at the moment. It won't be like, da-da, here's a special faith. A lot of times you, you won't even know it. You'll just follow that love and minister to people and they'll get healed. And you'll look back later and realize, well, that was a word of knowledge and that was a gift of healing. You don't have to label everything. Let's just get the job done. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud, follow love. Follow love. Knowledge 
puffs up, you see here, but love builds up. Love edifies. Verse 2, if any man think that he knows anything, he what? He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So don't get too big for your britches and get to thinking you got everything figured out and you're so smart now and no, 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 no. The thing that distinguishes you before God is not how much you know about Him. Read the next verse. But if any man, what? Didn't say know a lot about God. What does it say? If you love God, the same is known of Him. No. You understand God knows everything. So how are you going to impress him with what you know? You can't. But you know what ministers to him? That you love him. That you genuinely love him. And the one who genuinely loves him, he says, I know them. Glory to God. You know, Jesus talked about it. There would be individuals in the last day that say, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do this and all these mighty works? And he would say, what? I never knew you. What does that mean? They never loved him. Did you hear? No. The distinguishing factor. You know, that's why the Apostle John, and you know, he he had such a, and has, I'm sure by now, he's way on out there in love. But... uh, he, he had even in his earth walk such a revelation of love that the Holy Ghost used to write the gospel account of John and, and the epistles of John and, and revelation. And uh, he, in, of all the things that he could uh, be called, he called himself the disciple whom the Lord loved. That was his claim to fame, wasn't it? And in writing, instead of using his own name or referring to himself as the great man of faith and power or or the great apostle or any of this stuff, he said, I'm the one the Lord loves. Every one of us can claim that title. Amen. Amen. But we need to, you have to glory in it like he did to, 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 to get in the flow of it. I'm the one he loves. I mean, to him, that was, you know, it wasn't how much revelation he had or, or how much prosperity or how many miracles. It was a fact that, that not only did he love God, but God loved John. Amen. And you see him there at the supper with his head up against Jesus' chest, just as close as he could get. I'm the one he loves. Can you say that like that? Try it out one time. I'm the one he loves. You say that all day and all night, and your faith will just start coming up. Up, up, up. The one who loves God, the same is known of him. Now go with me, if you would, to uh, Romans, the 13th chapter. Hold your place there in 1 Corinthians. We're going over to the 13th chapter. Chapter 1 Corinthians. But before we do, go to Romans 13. Romans 13, and then we're going to 1 Corinthians 13. Unless the Lord leads me another direction, we're going to pick up with where we left off. Romans 13, and then 1 Corinthians 13. 
I think you understand and agree with me about the significance of love. But I've been taught, without saying so, I began earlier talking about the application of this love walk. How to more clearly and more quickly discern the love of God in you and yield to Him. That's why we're eventually going, in just a moment, going back to 1 Corinthians 13 and looking at these. Because the more aware you are of these, then when they stir in your spirit, you'll, you'll say, that's love. And you'll yield to it. And the quicker and more fully you yield to Him, yield to love, that's, that's the more you're going to develop in love. Two basic things that will help you in applying uh, the love walk in your life all the time. And the first one is here in Romans 13. Romans 13.10 says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The first thing here is that love does no harm. And, and to be practicing this, you've got to be aware of other people. You've got to be aware that they're around. There are folk that get so preoccupied with their self, they virtually run over people and didn't even know they were there, didn't even know they did it. And they run over people verbally, and they run over people mentally, and push and shove, and, and don't even, never even realize it. Because they're just so preoccupied with their self. You know, if everybody's forehead was a TV screen, <laughs> thank God it's not. But if everybody's forehead was a TV screen and you could see what was playing on their mind. You know what you'd see a whole lot of? Shows about me. <laughs> me, what I did. Me, what I think. Me, what I want. Me, what I want to do. Me, what I don't have. What somebody didn't do for me. It'd be commercials about me. And me reruns. <laughs> and it's no wonder people get fed up because, I mean, me in the morning, me in the afternoon, me at night. Me, I mean, it's no wonder people just actually get sick. It's me-itis. <laughs> it's bad stuff. And you have to renew your mind. And you have to stay on it and continually throughout the day. Don't just let yourself sit and think about me. Pull your, pull your mind off of you and force yourself to look away. Look up above what's happening right here with me and say, what's going on with the church? What's going on with my brother and sister? What's going on in the body of Christ? What's going on in these ministries? What do they need? What are they believing for? What's going on with them? And you'll find that the more you can, if you train yourself, doesn't happen automatically, it doesn't happen all overnight. But if you train yourself, you'll get to go where you go whole hour or two at a time and not even think about yourself. <laughs> Somebody in the back just got that over there. You'll you get to where you go a whole half a day. <laughs> now, now you understand, this is, this is challenging. Because your flesh is with you every morning when you wake up. There it is, right there. And all you got to do to be selfish is just wake up. <laughs> it's true. 
Because the nature of your flesh and my flesh is selfish, self-centered. And so what you have to do is you have to push that down, crucify it, and you have to put it under and let the love of God, the selflessness, unselfishness, come up in you. But you have to yield to it. And, and there takes some effort there. And you have to train yourself. And you have to school yourself. But I'm telling you, friend, you're talking freedom here that you have never experienced. You're talking freedom that nothing else can touch when you get free from you. Free from me. You know what I mean by that? Free that you don't have to think about yourself all the time. Free that you have enough faith that you can just give yourself to pray and uh, for somebody else and to, to give to somebody else and to help somebody else. Well, what about me? What about me? When am I going to get mine? You're sowing. Somebody say praise God. praise God. I said you're sowing. When you're doing this, you're sowing for you. Amen. And it's going to come back to you. And you're laying down your life for another. And the master has told you, you will find your life then. It will come to you. It may not be as soon on some things as what you would have wanted initially. But when it comes, it'll be the blessing of the Lord. And it'll make rich. And it will add no sorrow with it. Because when you add things to yourself, it can be a burden. It can be a yoke. But when the Lord adds it to you, it's just all blessing and no sorrow. Can you say amen? Amen. But that only comes when you're pouring yourself out. Now, number one, we said love does no harm. It does no ill to its neighbor. Now, neighbor just means whoever you happen to be by at the moment. It can be a total stranger. But it's, you know, when we pray and ask the Lord to order our steps and direct our paths, we need to understand He's doing that for us. But many times you don't understand, you don't realize it, it doesn't feel like it, but He is ordering your steps. And so therefore the people you come across in your daily routine is a lot more spiritual than you think. I'm talking about the, the, that it's happening that way. It's more, more spiritual and more spirit directed. So when you happen to meet somebody, you just happen to uh, see somebody on the street, you just happen to uh, meet somebody in a store or something, realize I've prayed for God to direct my steps. That's what he's doing. Amen. And be aware, not just of uh, buildings and cars and things and dresses and jewelry. Be aware of what? People. Be aware of people. And it ought to grieve you if you realize that you've done somebody some harm some way. I'll be honest with you. This is the area where I've gotten in trouble with God as severely as in any area. I thank God it hadn't happened a lot. But the thing that the Lord has been the most severe with me about. I mean, there was a a couple of times he, he really got rough with me. And it was because I said something that made somebody think less of somebody else. Did you hear me? And one thing that was happening is I wasn't realizing the significance of my words. And especially as you grow in God, your words carry more weight. Right? 
And sometimes you can just say just a kind of a passing phrase and some, you know, somebody will think less of that person about what you said. And in ministry, we, we have to watch this. I, I don't know if you uh, uh, have read after Dr. John Lake much, but during his ministry, the Lord sent him to Africa. And he went and took a bunch of his people. And I mean, they're having a, a real work for God. But they're just believing God. They're really operating by faith. And they were most of what their support was getting was coming from the states. Well, some yahoos over here decided that, that you know, they, they didn't like some things about Dr. Lake. And they told actually some lies about him to some other people. And caused some of the people that were supporting him to believe that. And they quit their support. Well, it got to the point where he and a number of his workers weren't eating. They sold their furniture. They did everything they knew to do. Now, you know, maybe they didn't have some light on some things that, that we've, the Lord's shown us since then. But they, they got to the point where he called his staff and he said, you know, I'm going to send you home. You know, we don't have enough to even feed you. And uh, these guys... He said, well, you know, would you step out, please, and let us confer about this ourselves for just a moment. And he did, and they conferred, and he came back in, and, and they said, uh, no, sir, if you will allow us, we're going to stay. And all we ask is that if we die, that you'd do our funeral for us. Now, you know, you might, you might say, well, that, that's, that's not really faith. Well... They might not have seen some things, but I'm telling you that is honor that a lot of people today have no clue about. And the thing is, he buried, I forget how many, but it was several of them he buried that next year. Just died for lack of enough to eat. Just decent food to eat. Do you want to know who's primarily responsible for that? Somebody's going to stand before the Lord and give an account for that. And you know who, who's primarily? The persons that spoke against him, that, like the book of Acts says, evil affected the hearts of the brethren toward him. They, they changed these people's perspective. They believed him in, in him enough to support him. And they listened to this other person, and because I guess they had confidence in what they said, they believed a lie and cut off their support. Somebody's going to answer for that. Well, friend, you may not think that your situations are that serious, but they can gravitate to that level of seriousness very quickly. And especially those of us in ministry, in every case, but especially those of us in ministry that, that masses of people listen to, you have to realize that the more weight your words carry, you are responsible if you say something to somebody. You know, if I'm traveling, I, I go to a lot of churches, and if a pastor asked me about another minister, traveling minister, and I just, you know, I, I wouldn't have to say much. If I, some of them respect me a lot, and if I just kind of raised my eyebrow and said, well, you know, I don't know about them. Well, they might not have them in for a meeting. And that might be, you know, offerings that they don't get. And it might be souls that didn't get saved. It might be people that didn't get healed. And that's all you did. I said, that's the thing, you know, I, I have missed it in that area. A couple of times, thinking one case right now, that I, all I said was, uh, you know, 
I, I don't, I'm not with what they're doing. I don't, I don't agree with that. And it, there was no reason for it. I shouldn't have said it. And I'm telling you, I got back to my office and God got a hold of me. And it took me a couple hours in the floor crying and praying to get through. I mean, he, he let me know in no uncertain terms that if my word was going to have weight... And he'd have to be able to trust me with what I said. And I couldn't use these words to hurt people. How many understand that you got a responsibility for your mouth? And you can use your mouth to love people. You can use your mouth to build people up. Or you can use your mouth to hurt people and take money out of their pocket. And and take help away from them. We dare not do it. I said we dare not do it. Let's repent for any mistakes that we've made in time past. And let's purpose that we ask the Lord to set a watch at the door of our lips. That we not say a word. Not even an idle word from our perspective that the enemy could use in somebody's mind to taint their thinking against somebody. Or against some group. Right? Now, a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes in this area, but that's, you know, you, you can't change that. Uh, you know, you, God deals with you, call people, make it right. But at the same time, God's talking about us changing today and watching our mouth today and tomorrow. Love works no ill to his neighbor. It does no harm to people round about it. None. Are we supposed to be wise as serpents and what? Harmless as doves. Everybody say no harm. No harm. No No damage. damage. Won't you just pray it out loud and release your faith. Say Lord God. God, Help me. me. Have mercy on me. me. And help me. me. That the enemy never use me. me. My mouth. mouth. Or any of my resources. To hurt anybody. Or to damage anybody. May it not be. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 13. Are you there? I didn't intend to get that sober with you. But that's just something that is serious isn't it? You still like me okay? All right. 1 Corinthians 13. What are we talking about here? Love. We're seeing the characteristics of love so we can yield to love quicker, more fully. I said two basic things, and I didn't give you this, though I already have given it to you. I'll give it to you again. Two basic things that kind of oversee all this. Number one, Romans 13 there, love does what? No harm. No damage to anybody Round about. Now, if you mess up in the little things, you'll probably mess up in the big things. And so I want you to stir yourself up to start paying more attention to the little things. If you push people out of the line at the water fountain, <laughs> if you cut people off on the highway, you know, I mean, a lot of things. Well, that, you, that's just some of your nature coming out. That you are not as aware of people that you should be. Love does what? No. How much? No harm. None. And if you realize, you know, that you, you know, if you come blaring through the house and and throw the door open and somebody's on the other side and you just mush their nose. (laughs) 
Should you just go, well, I'll teach you to get behind the door and just, just keep walking. <laughs> or what should you do? Should you care? Should it bother you that you just pasted somebody's nose up against their face with the door? It should bother you. Shouldn't it? And when you realize that a word of yours has hurt somebody, or any action or any deed of yours has hurt somebody, or took something, anything, even if it's small, away from them, it should bother you. Now, friend, this is a key to staying sensitive to the Holy Ghost. When you realize that something you did bothered somebody, hurt somebody, harmed them even a little bit, don't just override that and just go, wow, they just, you know, they need to get thick skin. Well, no. If anything bothers you, if you just pass that off and override it, you just seared your conscience a little bit. You just calloused yourself a little bit. And you keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that, you'll, be, you'll get so dull that you couldn't hardly hear God if he's talking to you through a megaphone. You don't want that, do you? You want to stay sensitive, you want to stay sharp, so you have to be quick. Quick to repent and quick to follow these things. If anything irritates you and bothers you, pick up the phone. Call them. Say, you know, uh, I just realized that that, you know, what I said there, uh, you could have thought I meant this or it, it didn't sound right. That wasn't what I meant. You know, make the effort. Amen? To straighten things out. And when you really did miss it, make the effort. Even if people think it's silly, even if people think, well, you don't have to say that. Well, maybe for them you didn't, but for you, you do. Because you want to stay clear, you want to stay clean, you want to stay sharp. Can you say amen? amen? Tell me again, love does what? No harm. None. To anybody. Around it. Anywhere. Then secondly, the thing I didn't mention to you that we talked about earlier in the week from Matthew seven twelve. You don't have to turn there, but it just says... Uh, what things ever you would that men should do for you, do you even so for them? The second aspect of applying this love is do for people what you want done to you. We called it the golden rule. People grew up in Sunday school, but don't just look at it like that. Look at it as a way of life. Number one, I don't hurt anybody. Number two, I do for people the way I want done for me. And you see specifics spelled out in this chapter right here, 1 Corinthians 13. We started on this, but we only got through a couple of them. You ready to continue? You got a few more minutes before we quit today? Are you you all right? 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What good is that? One, one translation says, uh, ah, la, la, la. <laughs> or, you know, the idea is ding-a-ling. <laughs> so, you may think you are a tongue talker <laughs> par excellence. But if it's not from and of love, what is it? Just a ding-a-ling. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith 
so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm not much. I'm not all I could be. What? Nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. That's plain. Now he goes on to talk about specifics about how the, the character of love or the character of God. Love suffers long and is kind. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. I got patience out the door. And I am a kind, kind person. That's me. Now, don't look at your neighbors if they believe it. I'm talking about you believing it. Have you been saying things like this over yourself? Do you need to? We need to, don't we? We need to confess this part of the word over us. How important this is. What you're saying is uh, I'm God-like. I'm an imitator of God as his dear child. I'm following him. I'm endeavoring to be just like my master. Did he bear long? Was he, as he walked the earth and still today, is he patient? Is he kind? And so are you. Right? Say it again. I'm patient. Patience I got. And I am kind, and I am kind. All, the time. all the time. See, you know, Christians are supposed to know the word. You'll hear them say, well, that's just one area I'm not too hot in. Patience. Whew. I just, uh, I ain't got much patience. And yet, this, they turn around and teach you about confession. <laughs> Confessing lack of patience is nothing to be proud of. It's weakness. And really, you don't have any more faith than you do patience. Your patience is the undergirding support of your faith, your perseverance. And patience is developed not by getting somebody to lay hands on you or by intense prayer, but through exercise. Exercising. And you have people, you know, oh, don't pray for patience now. Who don't? Oh, no. Man, God will put stuff on you. Whoa. That's just old religious junk. Throw it all away. You want patience. You want the fruit of the Spirit. And you want lots and lots and lots of it. And don't you be concerned that God's going to put a bunch of stuff on you. God's the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift. Don't just don't get into any of that. But here's the thing. If you want to develop, you've got to work out. Right? I mean, you can't, you say, well, you know, you go to the gym and, and say, well, I want muscles. I want muscles. And they say, well, okay, we're having workouts right now. And you go sit and watch them. <laughs> All right. And you're there every day like clockwork. People say, you want to work out? No, 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 no. You go ahead. And friends at home say, I'm going to work out. You want to work out with me? No, no, you go ahead. If you keep passing up the opportunities to work out, will you develop? No, you will not. Well, how are you going to develop in patience? <laughs> when you're in that long, long, long line at the checkout stand, 
Here's an opportunity to work out. Right? But you've got to exercise it. How do you exercise? Exercise is not easy. I mean, your flesh is wanting to, wanting to foam at the mouth and, 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 and do something and, and get pushy and, and start yelling and going, Hey, we got a line at the door out here. Where's all your help? I mean, don't you have any sense? You could hire more people. I mean, <laughs> you know what you just got through saying? No, thanks. I'm not going to work out today. Nope. <laughs> What, what do you do? I mean, your flesh feels like that, but you can just kind of lean back and go, I'm cool. <laughs> How many say you don't have to act like you feel? Now, that's a brand new revelation for some folk, but you don't. You can feel full of tension. You can feel full of anxiety, and you can just grab your flesh and just pull it back. And just make yourself talk slow and move slower and just act like you got all day when your soul is going, I can stand this, I can stand Shut up, shut up. Exercise the patient's muscle. Exercise it to control your soul. And you keep doing it, it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger until what used to be a real challenge to you gets easy to you. Love suffers long and is patient and kind. Do you understand what's the opposite of that? What if I'm impatient? What does that show? (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) The Lord's got me drawing some pictures right now. But just hold with me. What does that show? Anybody with me? Impatience. What does that show? Selfishness. Right? Why? Because it's more important to you that you're on the road and that you get where you want to go than all these other thousands of people out here. (laughs) Right? It's more important to you that I get up to the checkout stand and that I get out because I got a life. (laughs) I don't know what all these other people are doing here. They're just in my way. Right? But the love of God acknowledges that these are also creatures of God. And genuine life forms. (laughs) They have a right to breathe the air just like me. (laughs) Many of them, citizens and taxpayers just like me, they have a right to be on the road. Right? They bought and paid for that car too. Right? (laughs) That if I was the only one that came to this grocery store, it would close. See, selfishness doesn't even even think like that. It thinks the world revolves around me. And it does not. I said it does not. Why would you be so impatient? Unaware and not caring about others. We went on to talk about love envies not. We spent half the night talking about that last night. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up. Other translations say it doesn't brag, it doesn't boast, it doesn't emphasize itself, 
It is not inflated. You know, it is really refreshing to talk to people that want to know something about you. Genuinely. You know, uh, I've counseled with older people, retired people before, that half of their time with me was spent griping because their kids and their grandkids or sometimes great-grandkids didn't come see them enough. And uh, by the time they got through, I didn't wonder why (laughs) that they didn't come see them more. Because they just got through telling me out of their own mouth, if it was six months, the moment they showed up, they started in on them. Why hadn't you been to see me? And you didn't check on me in. And then they start talking about, you know, the problems I've had with my medication. And, and then, that you know, and, and, and I had this and nobody even called me. I guess your mama or your daddy or your grandpa could just lay up here and die. None of my folks would care, I guess. <laughs> And after an hour and a half of that, what do you think that person is thinking? If I can get out of here, it's going to be even longer before I... (laughs) I got some sharp looks just then. I'm trying to help you, friend. Listen. I said, well, you don't understand, young man. You know, you're not going through... Listen, maybe I don't. But I, I, I have relatives of my own and on my grandmother that's gone home to be with the Lord. A woman of God and a woman of love. And I go see her all the time. And I know there were a lot of times that I knew looking back now she was in pain or she was having problems. But invariably you walk in the door. Oh baby, how you doing? Want to pull out 93 things to put on the table and feed you. <laughs> and just ask question and question about you. It's one reason you wanted to go. Because you could talk to grandma all day about yourself if you wanted to. She'd ask you questions about you. And then ask you more detail. Well, that makes you want to be around people. A lot of folk, they'll listen, but just only long enough to reload their pistols behind their back about what they're going to say. They're not even paying attention to what. But as soon as you slow down a little bit, oh, here they come with what they think and what they want. Selfishness talks about itself. But that won't make you friends. People don't want to hear about all your problems. I'm going to say that again real slow. (laughs) People don't want to hear about all your problems. Especially the more you grow, you'll you'll learn this. I mean, Phyllis and I, you know, we travel and we see a lot of ministers and friends. And it it is rare... For us to say anything about what we're believing for or about anything we're dealing with. Because most of the time it's just not right. And a whole lot of times people are dealing with enough themselves. A lot of times people got their slate full. I mean they, they're using their faith. You don't want to add uh, you know, to them to think about something you're dealing with. I mean love doesn't want people to be burdened about them. Is that right? Go to Philippians real quickly. Look at Philippians here. Something very interesting. Chapter 2 and verse 19. 
He says, For I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly to you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He want to know about them. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Out of all the people that Paul had helping him, he said, Timothy is only one like this. He said, for all do what? Verse 21. All seek their own. What a statement. All seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him, of Timothy, that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Verse 25, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your minister and he that ministered to my wants. Now listen to this, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness. Why? We learn later that he, he was sick, he, he was, had a lot of problems he pushed himself too far. We won't go into all that. But why, why was he heavy? Why was he troubled and bothered? Because he was sick? Why? Because you had heard that he had been sick. It bothered him. That they were troubling themselves about him. He didn't want that. Did you get this? For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And get this, not on him only, but on me too. How I many know when God heals your friend, he blesses you? Has mercy on your family member, he had mercy on you. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may what? Rejoice. See, um... When your heart's right, when you're motivated by love, you don't want people sitting around crying about you. You don't want them burdened with your things. There's been times before, especially years past, before I learned some of these things as much, that I, you know, I'm with somebody, some friends, and I start to tell them something that we're dealing with, and the Holy Ghost just checked me. No, no, they're dealing with enough. They don't need to hear about this. Love doesn't, you know, I actually had a... Uh, a husband and wife tell Phyllis and I one time, ministers, years ago, that they thought that that's one reason God gave you a husband or wife was to dump all your problems on. Absolutely not. We got Jesus to cast all our cares on. Amen. No, when you love people, you don't want them burdened with your stuff. You know, if you walk in faith strong enough, people will think you never have any problems. I mean, to look at you, they'll think, well, man, they just, they got it made. And you just tell them to say that again. <laughs> Amen. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. Said out loud, I'm not a burden. I'm, not a burden. I'm, a I'm a blessing. Well, then watch yourself that you don't tell people things that there's really no need to tell them. Burden them so that they think about it and that they feel sorry for you or that they're bothered by what you said. First Corinthians 13, he said, love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not its own. 
Other translations say it doesn't act unbecoming. It is not rude. It is not inelegant. Love is elegant. How many believe God is elegant? Love has manners. How many believe that? How many believe manners is not just a a good idea for some folk in some certain social stratas? No, manners are godly. I said it's godly. Why? Because it's just love. It's it's trying to prefer people and and act properly around people and and not uh, push yourself or into things. I mean, it's amazing how uh, unaware... And how rude some people are. You see people, they just, they'll just invite themselves to stuff and they'll just push into things and, and, and call it boldness. You know what I'm talking about. Love is not that way. Love is not rude. It is not inelegant. It doesn't act unbecoming. It goes on to say it seeks not its own. It's not looking for its own interests. It is not easily provoked. One said it isn't easily exasperated. It isn't quickly irritated. It isn't easily or quickly angered. It should take a lot to rile you. Not just a little. It should take more than one unkind word and a flat tire to steal your joy for the day. Right? Sit out loud, I am not easily provoked. I am not easily irritated. I am not easily angered. It takes a lot to get to me. Amen. Is that true? Yes. Love thinks no evil. It doesn't take or keep inventory of injuries. It doesn't, you know, keep track of who did me wrong. It tears up the paperwork. It throws it away. Who's counting? Hmm? Love doesn't do that. It doesn't keep up with it. It it rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. Another translation says it covers all things. You know, a lot of Christians practice, you know, 1 Peter 4, 8 in reverse. It talks about, uh, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves because love covers the multitude of sins. A lot of folk want to cover their sins and expose other people's. But that's selfishness. That's not love. Love covers. And you know, you want to make a friend for life? Then when they are down and when they're hurting, act like you don't even see it. I'm talking about their mistakes. So people think because I see something that I have to tell it or show it to show how spiritual I am because I pick this up. No, just because you see something doesn't mean you're supposed to do anything with it. You may see a lot of things, but you, when you, somebody's messed up and they've messed themselves up or something, for you to just swoop in and still treat them with respect, amen, and, and, and you know, when they start crying and say, well, yeah, so and so, I did this, you say, well, you did what? I don't even see anything. Let's just deal with something else right now. Love does what? Covers. Covers.
I think one of the most beautiful pictures of this is when Noah, you know, after the flood, he, he drank too much and I guess passed out in his tent, wasn't clothed properly, I guess. And one of his sons, you know, came in and first thing he did is run out and tell everybody. Daddy ain't got no clothes on. Daddy ain't got no clothes. <laughs> well, now, wh- why do that? Somebody, can somebody tell me? Why do that? The preacher messed up. The preacher messed up. Why, why do that? But his other sons, you remember what they did? They came and took a garment and they walked in backwards. Walked, didn't even look. See, don't, don't look at people when they're down. Don't, don't, don't look on people and study their mistakes when they're hurting. And they just came and dropped that garment on him and just walked out. That's love, isn't it? That's what love does. We, we can find applications of that all through the day, all through our family, our workplace, our life. Sit out loud, love covers. Love covers the multitude of sins. In closing, look what he said. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Listen to these other translations. Love covers all things. It has faith and trusts God in everything. Is confident and joyfully expects through everything. Remains and stands and perseveres through everything. Love never falls down, never perishes, never loses force, is never overcome, not even at any time, never at all. Hallelujah. How many believe that if you operate in love, you can't fail? You can't miss. It's got to turn out right. It's got to turn out God's way every time. Stand up with me and say this out loud. Confessing for yourself. I walk in love. I cover all things. I trust God in all things. I confidently expect in all things. I remain. I stand. I persevere through everything. And because I walk in love, I will not perish. I will not lose force. I will not be overcome. Not even at any time. Never at all. I will not fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.